Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. All right, and welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith, here alone for a solo interview episode. Chuck and John will be back with the regular episode next Tuesday morning. Today's episode is about a few various topics being Christoph Porzingis, Dave Yeager, and the Big Three. That's right talking about three things I'm very excited about. Before we get there, uh, I kind of need to go ahead and make amends for something that happened on last show. I didn't feel like it could wait until next week's Breakfast in Bed apology. We had a lot of fun talking about older players in the NBA, be it Jason Terry and Vince Carter, who had not made a two-point shot. Well, it was pointed out to me, and I'm very dumb for missing this, uh, obviously, Mono Ginobili is over 40, and he has made many two-point buckets. So I was wrong that no 40-year-olds had made a two-point bucket. I did, however, uh, get the quiz correct that Chuck had made as many two-point shots as Jason Terry and Vince Carter. Until, of course, Vince Carter broke his streak by making a shot on Wednesday night. All right, if you want to support our program, the best way to do that is to go to patreon.com slash fastbreakbreak breakfast over there we post the weekly power rankings we have the bonus audio for the five dollar and up crowd probably the most popular option is three dollars a month where you get all the extra posted content and then you join the slack chat where we talk about movies and television and basketball around the clock chuck and john very active on that if you don't get enough of chuck and john in your lives go to patreon.com slash fast break breakfast and become one of those Super fans who supports the creation of this program. Patreon.com slash fast break breakfast. My guest today is an NBA writer for Dime on Uprocks and is the host of the official Big Three podcast, Mr. Oliver Maroney. Oliver, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Uh, Cannot complain. Uh, doing great. Where are you, actually, first of all? Is it very early where you are? Uh, I'm on the Pacific time zone. I'm in uh, Portland, Oregon, so it's not too early. I mean, it's 7.50 in the morning, so hey, it's not that, that early. Is, that is early in our world. So uh, have you had a chance to have breakfast? And if not, maybe what are you going to have? So I did have breakfast. I make. Uh, I have these like Morningstar breakfast patties. They're like, you know, not, they're not vegan, but they're, you know, I don't know, all natural, however you want to preface them. But uh, yeah, I have these Morningstar breakfast patties and I put cheese on top of them in a bagel. And I usually have one to two of those depending on kind of my appetite. And that is my breakfast. Uh, So I've had that already. Walk me through a Morningstar breakfast patty. I have no idea what that is. 
Uh, well, they're frozen breakfast patties. They're not anything super fancy or special, but they're basically like sausage patties. Okay. Um, they're like, I believe they are somewhat like, it's like veggie and sausage, like kind of mix. I don't really know. It's not, <laughs> uh, it's not like full on sausage, I guess you could say. In the, in the grand tradition of sausage, you don't know what's in there. And, uh, yes, I, I, I felt like <laughs> I detected when you said they're not vegan, I felt like maybe that was a little condescension. I don't, there's nothing wrong with vegan. No, 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 no condescension at all. It was just, okay. uh, if you know the brand Morningstar, a lot of their stuff is like based off of like fake meat to help vegans eat stuff that, you know, they, they can eat. <laughs> that's uh, so. that, Well, that's good. Well, at least you, you have a breakfast routine. Uh, a, a lot of the NBA podcasters and writers I talk to, you know, they're not, they're not always eating the breakfast. So I appreciate you having a breakfast for us. Um, so the, the earth, the season has gotten going. I feel like every year I'm thinking, wow, the regular season is incredible. And once again, we're in that situation. One of the really fun stories for me so far has been, uh, Chris Stops Porzingis once again, kind of exceeding expectation. I don't know much like, I don't know every year we're like, can this guy take the leap? But then once he does maybe again, I get excited all over uh, again. So right now I'm really excited for Porzingis, who uh, through 10 games has scored 300 points, which is the uh, most point any Nick has ever scored over his first 10 games. So what are you seeing from uh, Chris Epps Porzingis? I know you said some stuff on Twitter about him maybe being the most versatile athlete you'd, or, or player you'd ever seen. I don't want to get the wording wrong. I, I, know, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I know you got a lot of interaction over those statements. So what are you seeing from Chris Epps so far? Uh, I'm just seeing like, uh, not only that he's comfortable and that he's willing to take on the, uh, maybe not the leadership role, but the star or superstar role, I guess you could say on that Knicks team. I don't think anybody really had any questions about it, but we still had to see it implemented, uh, because Carmelo had left, you know, just like seeing what he would do with it. And he's taken them in a whole different direction. And like for me personally, Chris Apps has been great through his career so far, his young, early career. But this year, he's just impressed me with the... Typically, when players get to this superstardom level at some point in time, uh, when, whenever you talk about, you know, like Damian Lillard going from his rookie year to maybe his third year, uh, or you go from, gosh, I mean, you can go down the list of guys, James Harden going from Oklahoma City to Houston, the usage goes up, and typically the efficiency tends to go down a little bit. Uh, whether that be, you know, like I said, Paul George stepping into that role in Indiana, you know, James Harden, et cetera. But it just seems like the efficiency drops off. And that hasn't really been the case for Chris Tapps. It's almost been the opposite, which is shocking because teams know that he is the only guy on that roster that they really have to defend inside and out. And uh, yeah, like I said, he's still able to do what he's able to do, uh, which is hit three pointers, which is play in the post. Um, block shots effectively. Uh, his defense has been better than I anticipated it being. And at seven foot three, he can run the floor better than you know a lot of guys who are at six foot eight, six foot nine, six ten. So I, uh, like I said, when I, I I think I tweeted exactly was uh, Chris Stapps may be the most versatile player I've ever seen in the NBA or something like that. And people were like, okay, well there's LeBron James and there's other players. Sure, that, 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 that could definitely very well be the case. Um, and I'm not disputing that portion of things, but 
at the size that Chris Tapps is, I don't think we've ever seen a player uh, come into a situation with as high a usage as he has and done as efficiently as he has at the size that he's at. And, uh, you know, LeBron James, great. He's, he's you know, <laughs> I know it sounds, it, it almost sounds rude to say, oh, yeah, he's just great. But, no, he is very, very, very good and extremely talented, one of the best to ever play. But I think versatility-wise, um, yes, while he could play one through five, uh, yes, while he can shoot the ball somewhat, I do think that's an, a deficiency in his game. He hasn't really been able to knock down three-pointers consistently throughout his career at, at a clip that is what Chris Tapps is doing right now. Um, and I had somebody argue with me. It's like he's, he's shooting for his career, LeBron, I think it's around 33% from behind the arc. But he's never attempted over, I think it's like 4.5 three-point attempts per game ever. Uh, and you know, over three is rare in his case. So he's not shooting very many times from behind the arc anyways, to begin with. And then his efficiency isn't exactly the greatest either. So for me personally, like I said, I just think that Chris Stapps presents a different skill set than we've ever seen before. And that's what I was kind of meaning by versatile is just that you can plug and play him. I I mean, I, I, I could see him play a three. I know it sounds crazy, but I could see him play the three position and not be worse than other threes out there. I think he could play that position perfectly fine. I think he could play the four position. Obviously, we've seen him do that. And now at the five. Um, so I, I just think he's versatile in a different way. Uh, maybe the wording was, you know, maybe I didn't use the best of wording with versatile, but I think Chris Stapps is an incredible talent. And just seeing him, at the size that he is doing what he's doing is just, I mean, it's all honestly like jaw dropping some of the stuff that he does. I agree completely jaw dropping. I, I think there's no arguing. If you throw out the caveat of someone, his size, there's no doubt it is unique skill skill set of what we're seeing. Do not though consider it a drawback somewhat if we're going to con- compare all these other great, big, versatile <laughs> players about, about his his handle, that he doesn't have the handle of, you know, a creator like a, a Giannis Antetokounmpo or, or a LeBron James. Mm-hmm. He, is, he is shooting all these threes, but he's not going to be doing a lot of that where he's, you know, off of his dribble. So you, you don't consider that a drawback to your argument? I, I do consider it a drawback. I mean, any... Any player is going to have drawbacks. Like I said about LeBron James, he's not exactly the most efficient from the outside. So Chris Stapps being able to not handle the ball is definitely something he needs to work on uh, if he's going to be even more versatile than he already is. Um, yeah, I do feel like it's a drawback. And and like I said, I, I it, had I had I tweeted <laughs> had I had I read the tweet multiple times, I probably would have thought to myself, maybe I shouldn't send this, but. Quite frankly, I, I'm, I, I do as I think, and I don't really think about it beforehand a lot of the time. So it's what it is. I mean, I, oh, you it's, know, you, it's, it's fun. It's, it's great. Fun I was going to say, you, you, you got those sweet, sweet interactions. I mean, that's... No, I, of course. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it, I don't mind the interactions, although I did get a lot of bad ones too. So it's, it, you know, it varies. Uh, I, I, I think, yeah, like I said, quite honestly, I think the wording may have been wrong. I should have just prefaced it with, at his size, there's no one more versatile that I've seen in the NBA. And I think that would have probably, you know, done just as much or people would have still had their gripes about it. But 
I don't think there's much arguing that point at this at this time, just because of what he's been able to do, even through the first you know ten games of the season or so. Uh, you just wrote an article, which I haven't even had a chance to read as it went up. I think a few minutes ago, but uh, about Dave Yeager, uh, Coach Dave Yeager of Sacramento Kings, a man close to my heart. I'm a Grizzlies fan. I criticized him roundly for a while. Uh, I didn't buy in on his tearful press conference. I thought it was uh, <laughs> maybe a bit of performance art and or he was just exhausted. And much like y- my young toddler, when he's really tired, he burst out in tears spontaneously. Um, what, what's uh, w- Without unpacking your whole article, what, was, uh, what, what, what is in there and what am I going to find out when I read it? Well, you're going to find out a lot of why they brought in the veterans that they did this offseason. Obviously, Zach Randolph being one of those guys from Memphis. Um, you're going to find out about his coaching career previously. Uh, I think a lot of people don't really know his story or where he came from originally. Um, his dad was a coach, a high school coach in Minnesota. Uh, he played basketball collegiately and throughout his life basically watched game tape. I think he mentions to me in the article that he used to pop in like VHS tapes of other coaches coaching and just watching them coach to understand like their philosophies and ideas. Like this is, we're, we're talking like when he was early, uh, you know, like <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know if there's many middle schoolers that are like watching VHS tapes uh, or just tapes in general of like other coaches coaching. So I found that very interesting, but, uh, the, the main point of the story really is just about, uh, his DNA, his coaching philosophy, uh, how he made it to Sacramento, the veterans that he brought in this offseason, kind of the transformation that's happened since he got there. And then lastly, just more or less like his work in the community is bar none, like talking to other people around the league, like one of the best. And he does an incredible job at just uh, trying to help out underprivileged youth, uh, coaches that want to continue coaching. He runs coaching clinics quite frequently in Sacramento. I think it's once a month or something like that. And he takes guys from around the area of Sacramento, building the community up, uh, who coach either middle school, high school, youth basketball, uh, college, and he brings them in, you know, 20 to 30 coaches at a time, lines them up uh, in their practice facility and allows them to watch a fully open and disclosed practice to all the coaches. So uh, he just does a lot of work in the community, and I, I thought that was really interesting. Um, that's kind of the reason the, the story actually started was just based around his charitable events and work and stuff that he does outside of just basketball um, and off the court, I guess you could say. So yeah, it, it, it goes through a lot. Uh, there's a lot of detail in there. There's some really good quotes in there from just, you know, like I said, bringing in guys like Zach Randolph, what he meant to Memphis. Um, I have some other things that I still kind of held off on, which I'm disappointed in because there's some good Memphis quotes in there. And he, uh, he definitely spoke very highly of just Memphis in general, uh, about that team, what they built. And he's trying to basically emulate that sort of, not the style, but the hard-nosed effort. Uh, I think he mentioned the way they coached in Memphis was different from other teams around the league in the sense that they used like a quarter-point system instead of the ga- just like analyzing the whole game. Uh, they analyzed quarter by quarter, and if they were winning quarters, then they were winning games. And so they, you know, anyways, that all the players knew it by like the quarter-point system drilling it down to every single possession. And so he's trying to kind of instill that in Sacramento. Looking at the high priced veterans they brought in, in Vince sure. Carter and, uh, and Zach Randolph, did you find out at all if there is any truth to guys 
somewhat to spite the Grizzlies fan base because I know the Grind City Media, which is the media arm of the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, they were implying that Jaeger convinced the Kings to offer those big contracts to like Zach Randolph and Vince Carter, mainly to stick it to the Grizzlies. I, I didn't get into that. I know that you know he spoke very highly of what Zach Randolph brought to the table just in the locker room, what he meant to the team. Uh, and I think that's the reason they brought him in specifically. Uh, Vince Carter, maybe maybe he did. Uh, I have no idea. I, I think both those guys are great locker room guys, though, and I, I don't think – I think having the familiarity that Jaeger had probably gave him an advantage over other people saying, look, this guy is worth, worth this dollar amount or this price tag. And I, I think that's probably what what made that happen more that more so than spiting the Grizzlies. Although it is an interesting idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah, It's fun. Another thing I'm obsessed with that maybe you can cover this. If there's ever a follow-up article on Dave Yeager, uh, when he was the coach of the Grizzlies, we tracked his facial hair, trying to figure out what inspired him. Like when is it the time to go clean shaven? When is the time to go with the goatee? Like, is it a winning streak? No, it's not a winning streak. Oh, he, he just man, he just got rid of it. Question. And so, like, is it just like the shadow of the goatee or the full blown youth minister goatee? And we're like, what? I'm dying to know. I've never heard anyone ask him like how he did it. Although now, again, a frequent topic on our, our regular episodes are his new appearance in Sacramento. The man has lost a ton of weight. He's gotten. He's very very tan especially for November. I know he's in California and all, but, uh, and, and he's like, he's changed his hair. Do you know anything about maybe what he's done, his new workout regime, or if he has a stylist, can you shine any light on that? You know, that is something I didn't ask about. And I really (laughs) wish now that you're starting to go down this, this rabbit hole, I guess you could say, I really wish I would have asked more questions on this whole topic. I'm going to have to shoot him a text message and just be like, Hey, we need to rebuttal here in like a couple of months. Yes. Can you give me some DNA and, and some intel on kind of what what the Jaeger hairstyle is and why it is the way it is? And also, hey, can you ask me about how you lost your weight and why are you so tan? So I think just like preface it that way. And it could be that it could be moving out to <laughs> moving out to the West Coast, getting some of those morning star patties, you know. There uh, you go. There you go. Uh, You're health, right. A healthy breakfast. Healthy breakfast, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily healthy, but we'll we'll yeah, I'll, I'll do some research on that. <laughs> uh, do you do you think he is the right guy though for Sacramento? Because this is a team with you know they're they're bad. They're, like they're not very good. They have a lot no. of young talent they want to develop. They have tons of guys on the roster who are on the rookie contracts. Uh, and in Memphis, one of the criticisms of of Jaeger and that coaching staff was not developing any young players to come fill up. You know, for the aging grit and grind core. And so now I'm looking at the Kings and like Scal Labissier is a guy who's kind of fallen out of the rotation. And I'm kind of like, well, again, this is me, I guess, jaded Grizzlies fan saying, yeah, yeah. You know, like Jaeger is going to Jaeger. Uh, so yep. do, you, do, you, do you think he's the right guy to build up the young talent in Sacramento? I mean, what he explained to me and uh, I, I believe him 100% and wholeheartedly is basically the guys who are thriving, the guys who are having success, the guys who are succeeding on this team, they're going to get more opportunities to play. And we're going to identify those players as the season progresses, 50 games, 60 games, 70 games into the season, so that we can plan for next season and understand what we have going forward and what what needs to be taken care of. And I think from his aspect, I mean, he's playing 10, 11, 12 guys deep 
night in and night out with this Kings team, trying to figure out what he has, who's who who plays where, <laughs> what fits, what doesn't. Uh, it's a process. I, I think I trust. I, I think the fact that Sacramento hired him and kept him aboard after last year. I know it was only just one season for him, anyways, but the fact that he kept him or, or they kept him. Uh, I, I think says a lot about what they feel moving forward. Uh, just because if I were the Kings organization and I felt like this guy wasn't going to be running the ship the right way or pointing it in the right direction, uh, then I would have him out of there before I brought in De'Aaron Fox and brought in and got Buddy healed for a full season and those sort of pieces like that. Um, so I, I think He's the guy. Uh, now, if obviously, if the wins don't come around in the next couple of seasons, then or maybe just next season, uh, then we're probably going to see him on the hot seat, I would assume. But I think this Kings organization is trying to change the way they do things fundamentally uh, from the past, which was, wait, uh, eight coaches in seven seasons, seven yeah. coaches in eight <laughs> seasons, whatever it is. Boogie Cousins had possibly the biggest coaching carousel uh, in the league. And I, I don't think the Kings want to go down that road again. So I would be shocked if they move away from Jaeger after this season, um, even even into this season. I, I'd just be shocked. I, I would have thought that would have happened uh, before the season even started. Yeah, I, I feel like if I'm a Kings fan, I would be nervous at that pat answer of like, we're going to see we're going to see which guys are playing best and we're going to let them play type type thing because again I, I know what Costa Kufus does like he's cool he, he's a he's a veteran big man I would rather put Scal out there or even Papianis if, if he's going to be part of the league which maybe they've already sure. decided he's not going to be part of, of, the, of the team but like I'd, I'd rather see what the young guys can do given extended run in a season where you're definitely you know not going to be competing for the playoffs anyway uh so you hosted the official big three podcast I was uh I was pretty into the big three. I, I got a couple questions. One one, how did that all come about? How did you get involved with the big three? <laughs> uh, I interviewed Ice Cube. I had a request uh, sent out like a long time. Man, it was like three or four months um, prior to the big big three season opening up, and that was when people were like bashing this idea of them even doing it, and that they're not going to get enough talent or the players aren't going to, it's just going to be a retired players league and like all this other stuff. And I was one like early on who just kind of adopted it and was like, this is totally awesome. I'm totally into it. Um, get me an interview with ice cube, big three, let's see what we can do. And, uh, their PR team had reached out to me a few times about doing stories and whatnot. And I, uh, you know, you, you do the typical, I, I think with this situation, I had to pitch the story to them because, uh, ice cube is, um, He's pretty famous. And so when you have guys that are <laughs> quite successful, big, big, yeah, big name people like that, typically they require a little bit more work on the journalists and to uh, get the interview, solidify the interview, get approved, whatever the case may be. Anyways, I interviewed him. We did this great story. It went out. And at the end of the interview, I kind of mentioned to him, like, you ought to try like doing a podcast. Like, I really think that would be a good idea. And he, I think he said, I think he solicited the feedback. He's like, Hey, what do you think we should do? Or something like that. Like at the end of the interview and it was scheduled for like 10 minutes with ice cube. And it ended up going like, I think it was like 45 or 50 minutes. And you know, he didn't have to do that. He called me. I didn't call him. It was just, 
it was uh, kind of surreal for me at the moment, but like, uh, I think, you know, that uh, it sounds like he saw something in me uh, when I was talking to him. And, and at, at the end of the interview, he, he just asked me, you know, what do you think we should do? And I'm like, you know, you should really think about, I think I gave him some other ideas, but I said, uh, you should really think about doing a podcast. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh yeah, you should send me the idea of what, what you think we should do. And then, uh, we'll see what we can do. And then like, gosh, maybe four or five weeks later, um, they had basically said, Hey, we want you to do the podcast, you know, run through how you want to do it, how many times you want to do it, like what would work, what makes sense. Basically gave me free reign to kind of run the gauntlet on what I wanted to do and how, how I envisioned it. And, uh, that's how I got involved with the big three show. And, um, yeah, like I said, I think I was just an early adopter and got lucky. (laughs) Do you have ice cubes phone number? I, I technically, yes, I do. I do. Okay. That's pretty awesome. Uh, what are some ideas that you have? Like you had ideas you said early that you suggested, do you have any ideas after seeing season one for things they should implement for season two? Yeah, I've, I've mentioned quite a few of them. I mean, I think, uh, I think the points are perfect. I think the rules pretty much speak for themselves. The one rule I did not like whatsoever was making a game winning free throw. Uh, that just didn't settle in my stomach very well as a basketball fan. I just felt like it kind of ruined things. And I think if you saw the championship game, if I recall right, uh, there was a pretty big, like late call. I think it was on Rashad McCants or it was, yeah, it was, yeah. Anyways, it was on the, the three headed monsters against Rashad McCants. And he went in for basically he, he got fouled on a three point shot and it's like the last couple of minutes of the game or it, what should be. I think it was 46 to 44 or whatever. He hits all three free throws and it's 49 to 44, whatever the case may be. But um, just like late game free throws like that uh, bothered me, especially when you can make game winners on free throws, which just doesn't. Yeah, like I said, just allowing the referee to make that call on that late game decision making. So that was one thing I kind of suggested. What would your uh, what would your solution be? Would it just be like you take the ball out instead of shooting free throw for the last points? Yeah, I think it'd be something to that to that extent. Um, I I don't really know the easiest way to do it. I I honestly wanted to just say like just no foul calls on game point, like just that, go that, man, real old school. I was gonna say that reminds me of pickup games where there are tons and tons of fouls on the final point. But that's kind yep. of that's kind of fun too, as long as these old retired NBA players aren't injuring themselves, which is a I don't think legitimate I don't think concern. I don't think they. Because they respect one another to the point where they're not going to like purposely go out and injure people. I don't think they take it the wrong way. As in, like, you know, when you're playing pickup, guys call fouls every two seconds on the game point, and that just it bothers right. me then too. But like, I don't think you can stop that in pickup because if you stopped it in pickup, uh, there'd be guys like just clumsy idiots that would get other people hurt and seriously injured. So Oliver, uh, but, I, I I have a name. You you don't have to. Just call me a clumsy idiot. I mean, <laughs> anyway. No, wasn't talking to you. <laughs> Do you know, are they keeping the same team names for year two? As a, as a viewer, one of my obstacles was remembering which team was which because they all had some random three or something in the name. And so all the names ran together to me. And even though I watched almost every week, I'm always like, I can't remember... Which team is which? So do you know, are, are they keeping the same franchises? I think they're going to keep the same franchises. Uh, the only thing that I know right now is that they are adding 
one extra co-captain to each individual team, making the roster six instead of five. Mm-hmm. And they're supposedly, I, I don't have names or anything like that. Uh, I've heard like rumblings and grumblings and things like that. But um, basically they're adding one extra player to each individual roster. The franchises will stay the same. The names of each team will stay the same from my understanding. And they're going to add one like star power kind of co-captain, not really star power because the league isn't, the league is built on names. Obviously you have to have names in order to kind of, you know, get your name out there to begin with. But, um, it's about the players going out and recruiting, uh, a guy that they want on their team. So, um, they could be big names. Uh, I think recently it was meta world peace that said that he's going to be playing in it next year. Um, so that's one name that's kind of already came out. I don't know what team he'll play on or who or how that works, but that was one. And then I had heard like Gilbert Arenas and Paul Pierce and a couple of guys like that, that were, uh, rumored to do it last year, kind of wanted to hold off until they saw what happened this year kind of thing. Um, so we'll see what happens, but yeah, it sounds like to me, the names, the teams will stay the same aside from the roster size going from five to six. So it, that, when, when you say the teams are staying the same, so like are, are the rosters somewhat staying the same? Or, or, yep. or, or Okay, so they're not starting over like fantasy draft style every season. Nope. Okay, good. No, that, that's going to help. Uh, that's going to help as a fan. Yeah, yeah, I think they'll have basically the I, pretty much the entire roster that they had last year um, as long as everybody re-signs. The guys that don't, that's fine. They'll still do their draft, um, from my understanding. They're still going to do a draft, and the obviously the lowest, the the, the losingest teams, <laughs> mostly teams, will be um, drafting highest and so forth. So they will still have a draft, but it will not be a fantasy draft. It will be just like a, you know, like an NBA draft, just adding right. a guy to your roster. That's gonna be good. Who's your Who's your dream addition to the big three? Oh, I'd love to see Kobe, just because it's just. I mean, well, come on now. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, Who's your realistic dream addition to the uh, big three? Gilbert Arenas, for sure. No yeah. doubt about it. Uh, no Chill Gil has game. Uh, I actually, he came to a practice. I got him to come to a practice, or, well, I helped get him to a practice in LA. Um, and we, yeah, anyways, he was shooting four point shots and. Gosh, I think he drained like four or five in a row, and I was just like, "Yeah, this this guy can still, this guy can still hoop." <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of who my favorite choice would be. Everyone I think of is like, unfortunately, working on an NBA roster still. Where I'm like, I would love to see Nick Van Exel. I would love to see Jerry Stackhouse. Oh yeah. Oh like, yeah. Uh, I would love to see Andre Karolinko. Uh, that would be interesting. That would be interesting. I don't know if his game translates though. But uh, <laughs> it'd be fun. All right, la- last thing. I know you're you're a heavy Twitter user, uh, very active, very active. I don't. I'm just that's just to establish for our, our listeners. Uh, do you think, or has having 280 characters improved your life? Uh, you know, I thought it would improve my life more. I'm coming to the realization that I don't know if it's necessarily the greatest thing in the world. I don't know if it was. Yeah, I I didn't need 280. I quite frankly, I need about 180. Like that. <laughs> it, there's there's there's. I don't know how many times you run into a, a tweet that you're trying to send, and you get to the end and you're like four characters over, and you're like, 
come on. Like, really? Like, this is <laughs> – I got this whole thing typed out. Now I got to change the wording. Uh, you know, that's where a lot of the hot takes, I think, and that's why people read Twitter so wrong a lot of the time is because people are trying to say stuff in so few characters and can't really do it, and they just downsize specific words that just take the meaning out of what you're trying to say. So I, I like 280 for that sense just because you can explain whatever you need to explain. And I think there's been a couple times where I've wanted to say, you know, 250 characters. But yeah. every time I've tr I've went to tweet since 280 has come around, it really – I'm at like 140 like almost every time. Right. I felt like the, one, the 140 was the perfect – editor to make like all the jokes just snappy and crisp like just right yep. like if you were like four over you're like man i gotta keep working and then when you yep. shaved it down you're like oh yeah i got it so i feel like having that editor was was really important but now i think like it's everything's just broken i feel like the timeline's broken i see all these gross paragraphs espn stats and info is tweeting out stats where they're spelling out rebounds blocks points you're like what is the point this is horrible uh yeah it's like a. It's like Arrested Development when it went to Netflix and it went from like 21 minutes an episode on network to like 32 uh, episodes. You're like, oh, yeah. there's too much here. This is no longer this is no longer like rapid fire perfectly put together. Now there's a little too much. See, so I excess have fat. I have a pretty good I, I, I thought of a pretty good solution last night when I was doing this. I think the best way to do it would be to have 10 280 character tweets per month allocated. You can only use 10. That way it like forces people to really like, do I really want to use this? Okay. Yeah. And then if you know, and then you have to like click the button and it like allocates it and maybe Twitter could make some money by allocating more if you paid for them. I don't know. Uh, just a thought. Uh, I, I, I you just, know what? I, I've actually long thought that where it could be, you go to 140 and then it's like, oh, I need five more characters. And it's like, oh, would you like to use your, your extra characters for this? Like maybe yep. you have 180 characters Bingo. extra all month. And then it's like, oh, it's, it's two cents per character. Would you do want to go oh, over? Oh, man, that's so, great. So then they would make some money. You know, you still would want to cap it at like 280, you know, but willy-nilly, people shouldn't just be firing off 200 character texts, I mean tweets, because it, it's too much, guys. Like, you got to hold back. Like, I don't even like knowing where my 140, like, now that I don't know where my 140 cutoff is, like, is, yeah. it, is, it, is it 6 o'clock on the little circle? Like, is it exactly halfway? I don't know. Yeah, it is. It is very hard to determine that portion of things. And you don't really, uh, man, it, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. <laughs> I, I, I loved it to begin with. And I was, I, uh, I think I took, like, one day off of Twitter. I tried to convince them maybe it was my tweet that convinced them to run with 280 but like michael rapaport retweeted my tweet and some other people did and what was the what was the uh, tweet oh i just basically said i'm not going to use twitter until i get 280 and i tagged twitter support and twitter in it and like michael rapaport <laughs> and a bunch of other people retweeted it and uh yeah and then i literally stopped tweeting for a day but i was still checking twitter yeah they... and i was like man i can't do this this is like I cannot, and I just can't believe that it, in this day and age, I can't live without Twitter. That's, it's so sick. <laughs> it's really gross. I, I hate myself for it, but at the same time, it's just like, this is, this is kind of my life. Yeah. They, uh, <laughs> they, they called your bluff there. I, I would never, I don't think I'd ever do anything like that. One of those things like, Hey, if you guys don't retweet this, uh, I'm not podcasting anymore. And they're like, Oh, turns yep. out, uh, what I do is superfluous. And <laughs> 
Now I feel bad. So uh, well, was, I will never hilarious. ask for I will never ask for that from 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 my audience. <laughs> well, what's hilarious is that the fact that I tweeted it like literally, I don't know, four days ago, right. and then two days later they put the two eighty in there. They like, were probably oh ha- they were probably having a a Twitter like heads of state meeting, and they're like, you know what, this <laughs> this this guy Oliver, let's give it to. I think everybody needs it. Let's yeah. give it to everybody. Yep. Let's do yep. it. All right. Well, Oliver, <laughs> thanks so much for uh, taking time to join me on the program. Uh, tell people where they can follow you online and uh, check out all your good stuff. Yeah, just at O'Maroney MBA, O-M-A-R-O-N-E-Y-N-B-A. And uh, that's where all my work is. Uh, I think my link in there is like all the pieces that I've written on Uproxx. And uh, yeah, you can find all my work there. And uh, yeah, appreciate the, you guys having me on. Sure. Uh, text Ice Cube. Tell him to bring the big three to Nashville. They canceled on us this summer. It was sad. Oh, yeah. That was a bummer. We'll try and, <laughs> yeah, we'll try. I know that they're working on some new places, so we'll see what happens. All right. Sounds good, man. Talk to you soon. All right. All right. Thanks to Oliver for making time to come on the show. Uh, you can follow him again on Twitter. He's a heavy tweeter, but, uh, good stuff and obviously if you're a big three fan you kind of got to follow him he's got the inside scoops if you want to support our program and get a great shave you can go to harrys.com slash fast break sign up for a free trial there also support our show on patreon.com slash fast break breakfast go to fantrax.com for your fantasy sports needs you can follow me on twitter at fast break break Like us on Facebook. All right, you guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember, breakfast is the most important thing. Yeah, never apologize for being G&G. Fast break, break, man. You understand? Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! (sighs) Smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon.